Thank you for tuning in to Splat Attack. This episode, we will be discussing our favorite treehouse of horror tales with special guest Monica. If you are watching on YouTube, please leave a like and subscribe. If you are listening on a podcast app, you all know the drill. Leave us a review where possible. These simple actions are still what helps our channel grow. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe to our Patreon. Live streams, bonus episodes, early access, and more await at patreon.com slash splatattack. And now, let's head into the treehouse for some spooky tales. Greetings, Slimesters, and welcome to another terrifyingly gruesome Halloween special on Splat Attack. Viewer, be advised that for this particular Halloween special, which covers favorite 90s trails of horror tales, might be a little bit too scary for some of our younger Slimesters who are tuning in tonight. So viewer, be advised that you please send them to bed or else they're going to have nightmares for weeks. However, if you love Nightmare Fuel, Definitely tune in with us. We hope you enjoy this presentation and dare to get ghoulish. <laughs> Climb into the treehouse and let's tell some tales. Hello, Zomsters, and welcome to Splat Attack, a 90s podcast that dives into the slime-filled past. I'm your evil, knife-wielding, crusty doll, Brett. <laughs> and I'm your gremlin on the bus, Alex. And Brett, what are we talking about on this spooky occasion? Well, after getting our fill of frights and candy at the Pickles residence, we've decided to walk down the block from Nickelodeon Street and into the backyard of a friend who lives at Evergreen Terrace. Uh, for those who know what I'm referring to, we're actually talking about The Simpsons, uh, a 90s nostalgia staple that's still going strong today, 33 seasons later. So does that mean... Yes, indeed. <laughs> we're sharing some of our favorite 90s Treehouse of Horror tales today. But before we stuff our face with Halloween candy and turn down the lights, who is our guest joining us up in the treehouse? Uh, it, it looks like a ghost. Uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a demon. No, it, it's Monica. Oh, friend of the podcast. Oh. <laughs> friend of the podcast and coincidentally also Brett's fiance. Yes, yes, we are engaged. <laughs> Welcome Monica or or uh, since she's dressed as Nikau, uh, Nikonica. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for having me. Um, I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite shows which is why I suggested it as a topic. Yeah, well, thank you for suggesting that. I know you and I love The Simpsons, especially Treehouse of Horror Halloween specials. Uh, so let's just dive right into it. Uh, Monica, would you tell us about your experience watching Treehouse of Horror growing up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't remember at what age uh, I started watching The Simpsons, but I probably have to credit my brother, who's six years old with me, uh, because I probably started watching it because of him. Uh, it's funny because I don't think we were allowed to watch The Simpsons growing up. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> uh, because I'm sure some 
I'm sure at some point, some inappropriate joke dropped right as my mom and dad were walking in. And then, you know, they caught it. And they're like, what are you watching? Watch something else. Uh, so I always watch this show in secret. Whoop, whoops. Um, as far as the Treehouse of Horror, I don't remember the first time I watched it, but in general, TV Halloween specials in the 90s were like a huge deal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you, you had the earlier seasons of Home Improvement, uh, Family also had some good Halloween episodes, uh, Steve Ball. I don't know if Brett will remember that, but hopefully Alex will. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember catching the Treehouse of Horror episodes in the late elementary school. Uh, and just knowing that Halloween is around the corner, it just, you know, it, you know, it definitely set the tone, it set the creepiness, you know, when I saw Treehouse of Horror, I knew Halloween was there. So, especially in the beginning episodes when they would give a warning and break the fourth wall, um, it just kind of set the mood for the whole episode. And I would probably have to say the first 10 seasons, uh, or the first 10 Treehouse of Horror Halloween episodes would probably be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, those are good ones. Coincidentally, those are the ones that are from the 90s as well. Yeah, actually. Uh, actually, Alex, I'm curious about your impression of the House of Four episodes, uh, considering, you know, I know Brett definitely grew up watching them. So I'm just kind of curious about your impression. My impression is is not very good. I'm a terrible impressionist when it comes to Simpsons. <laughs> uh, but I, much like Monica, I was not allowed to watch Simpsons when I grew up and um, not to mention Nickelodeon was always on so I I, <laughs> I never knew when Simpsons was on anyway but uh, I remember Simpsons being huge in the 90s uh, I used to play the Nintendo video games uh, I played the arcade game and you had all those Butterfinger commercials I mean Simpsons were huge in the 90s so I knew who every character was I knew who, what the personalities were like without having seen a single episode and I had no idea Treehouse of Horror was uh, a recurring thing because I'd never seen a single episode. Um, but the one thing that I did know, uh, and it was after I had gone trick-or-treating and came home, and it was a tradition. After I go trick-or-treating, I had to open the whole bag and sort all of my candy just because I wanted to – I was – which candy did I get more of? I got, ooh, I got more Reese's. Ooh, I got more M&M's and just choose them out. And uh, I would always turn on some TV and, and find something spooky for Halloween. And there was a commercial for Simpsons that was on because I think I was watching a rerun of Monsters Go Home. And I was hoping that this was going to be on one of the Treehouse of Horror episodes, but it, it wasn't. But I remember Bart was trying to go to sleep and Homer would barge in with some kind of costume that he wanted to show off. <laughs> and uh, then he started to go away again, and then he jumped back onto his bed, revving up a chainsaw, put on a Jason mask, and just yelled, want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? And my brother <laughs> thought that was the funniest thing, and it made me laugh too. And, but I was hoping that was going to be on this, but uh, it, it, it wasn't. But uh, when uh, Monica, well, I should say, when Brett told me that Monica suggested this episode, I thought, hey, this will be great, because... I mean, The Simpsons, there's a reason this show has been around for as long as it has. And I kind of get the impression that it's a lot like, uh, well, we'll say Rugrats. The first few seasons within the huge scope of what The Simpsons are, the, the its iteration. There, there was a point where it went from great to, uh, okay, it's, it's good. Uh, and I think the 90s was very much the era where it was 
great. And uh, at least that's the impression that I get from fans. And uh, whenever uh, it's it's Halloween and I, I wanted to see these. And so this was a fun episode in prep. So I'm looking forward to chatting about it. So anyway, that's what I've got. Brett, how about you? Well, um, I, I've been watching Simpsons as far as I can remember, actually. Like, even when I was a little kid and my, my late Aunt Joan used to babysit me and she had, like, that old antenna TV with, like, the two dials and you only got 13 channels. And, uh, you know, there wasn't really much on aside from uh, news and, like, talk shows and random sitcoms. But I noticed Simpsons caught my attentions because I loved cartoons growing up. And so I watched that a lot whenever I would... Um, you know, visit her at her house or be babysit by her in my earlier years. And I was really captivated by the characters, particularly Bart Simpson at the time. And the more I saw him, the more I really got into like different aspects of the episodes when they showed up. Um, and, you know, like the Butterfinger BBs commercials and later the video games once I had a Sega Genesis or went to the arcade with my weekly allowance. And uh, I remember renting the Treehouse of Horror DVD special that was actually a thing in the 90s uh, from like a video store back when I was a kid. And that was my first introduction to Treehouse of Horror formally because I didn't know I didn't know the tune in for Halloween for these specials. I had no idea they existed. But when I saw that compilation, I, I started to like scout them out. And then when I got the season DVD sets, I eventually watched them all in order. And uh, now Monica and I watch them all today. And Man, there's so, such so much fun, and we're gonna talk oodles and oodles about why there's so much fun. In addition to like some behind-the-scenes stuff and whatnot, um, I'll just hint that they're they're often the hardest episodes out of all the Simpsons episodes to write because you have to cram three stories within like mm -hmm. 22 and a half minutes um, to get a lot of time for commercials, and you really just have to have everything just constantly move at a breakneck speed to work well and you'll find that when you watch a lot of these that they just go from story beat to story beat with lots and lots of action and you know sometimes they resolve all wrapped up in a boat other times they just kind of fall off the bandwagon and then sometimes they go in a totally different direction like a few of these on there's on our like a few of these picks on our list will reveal so yeah yeah those are some of my simpsons memories still a proud fan today well, Brett, uh, since you are more familiar with Simpsons and Treehouse of Horror than I am, would you like to give us a bit of a uh, topic intro? Sure. So Treehouse of Horror has grown to be a staple of Halloween TV marathons, pretty much like candy is to trick-or-treating. Beginning in season two with the first iteration, Simpsons kept that jack-o'-lantern candle flame burning bright ever since, due to being their highest-rated episodes of each season. Today, we are joined by our spooky guest who loves all things Halloween and Simpsons to determine which Treehouse of Horror segments are worth its weight in candy and which ones should be taken to the graveyard for their final resting place. And the criteria for our list, obviously, is that it has to be 90s, so anything past Treehouse of Horror 10, which aired in 1999, does not count. Sorry for all you late Simpsons fans. We're uh, keeping it real in the, in the 90s for our podcast. Uh, we also pretty much pick our picks based on memorable quotes, anything that really stood out to us, um, you know, anything else that we can find that has like a unique element to it that helps it stand apart from the rest. So, you know, might, we might have some overlap with some of these, others might be on totally different spectrums of 
you know, the gauge that we're working with here. So I'm excited to see what we're going to share with our Slimesters today. But before we dive into our favorite segments, uh, I figured we talk a little bit about the Trails of Horror intros and mention some of our favorites because those are quite memorable as well, and we don't want to leave them in the dust. So Mon Monica, would you like to go first with uh, one of your favorite intros? Sure. Um, before I mention my favorites, uh, I kind of want to mention a couple of fun facts about these intros uh, that I found on my research. Um, in earlier Tree House of Horror episodes, uh, you'll notice that either Marge, Homer, or Bart will start the episode off warning the audience about how scary tonight's episode will be. Uh, this is actually based off of the movie Frankenstein back in 1931, where you see a guy come out on the stage and warn the audience that they're going to be scared and that they have been warned. Uh, I personally love these types of intros because back in the day, we didn't know what episode was going to play. Uh, you know, TV was very random. So when you saw or heard Marge walk onto the screen and clear her throat, you knew the next 30 minutes were going to be awesome. So I definitely, I love these intros and I'm kind of sad that they got rid of the the ones in the beginning, like as you can see in my my background here. <laughs> <laughs> um, the first one I'm gonna mention is from Treehouse of Horror 5. Um, and I love this intro because it's a parody off of the Outer Limits intro where you know everything would go blank and then you don't know what's going on. And of course the ominous voice is telling you that they're in control of your TV set. And yeah, that's creepy, especially to a little kid like me who thought, aliens or something was going to take over the world and you know starting with my tv like got rid of the tv <laughs> um but you know funny enough i don't actually remember seeing this whole intro uh when when i would watch it on tv because i remember it as marge coming onto the stage and you know she gets a letter and she's like oh congress won't let us show this and then it kind of cuts to this a clip of a a western and then it goes straight into the intro. So I actually don't remember the part where Bart takes over the screen and then you could just see like a little green dot and then a line uh, showing that, showing his like voice uh, talking. He's like control of your TV set. I, I don't remember that in the beginning. It's when I purchased the Simpsons DVD sets and, you know, actually saw the full intro that I was like, oh, I then oh, there was an extra on here. So I don't know if anybody else never caught that or maybe where I was where I was living at the time. Like maybe they they showed like a cut version of it. I don't know. But yeah, I don't that yeah, I would have to say that that one is one of my favorites. Yeah, it's effectively creepy. Um I don't know. Most people probably haven't seen the hour limits because it's like from the sixties, but I like the idea of them simulating taking over the television set to create a, a sense of dread or, or fear instilled in their audience because it comes out of left field. And then, of course, um, you know, when Bart's doing it, Homer interrupts him and just kind of breaks the tone by by playing around with the voice modulator. He's like, this is the sound of my voice with the sound waves. And hey, look, I can see my voice. <laughs> yeah, it's a good pick. Uh, my second one is Treehouse of Horror 6 uh, with Headless Horseman uh, riding along and you see right him there. holding Krusty the Clown's head, as you can see right behind Brett, if you're watching yep. the YouTube version. Pretty creepy. <laughs> <laughs> very, very creepy. I remember I, I watched it as a rerun when I was in middle school 
And I remember specifically one time I was home alone. Of course, right? All these stories happen when I'm home alone. <laughs> and I remember seeing Krusty's head being held by the headless horseman, breaking the fourth wall, and he's looking right at me the whole time. And I, I probably screamed or ran out of the room or head behind the couch. Uh, but I remember being really, really freaked out. And even nowadays, if I see that intro, it kind of makes my stomach drop a little bit, but you know, it's still a good intro. I mean, if it can get that kind of reaction out of me, I mean, you know, it's good. <laughs> mm -hmm. Were you ever scared of uh, the tale of the midnight ride from Are You Afraid of the Dark by chance? Cause it, there is a similarity to it, but mm -hmm. different uh, colored outfit. And of course he's holding Krusty's head instead of the pumpkin when he's on horseback. No, I think like Krusty's head that freaked me out. You know, Krusty's head looking right at you. He's headless. Yeah. And then, of course, he throws it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Splatters blood everywhere. Yeah, that's the, that's the extra oomph that pushes it over the edge for anyone watching. Uh, my third pick is the Treehouse of Horror 8, uh, where this intro has a Fox sensor, um, and he's reviewing certain shows. And, and uh, you know, he, he explains the the censoring and the TV ratings, because I think at the time it was, I think it was around like 1997, 98, uh, somewhere around there where it started becoming popular to have that like box in the corner showing like TVY, yes, exactly, TVY, TVY7, um, you know, the individual rating. And in this intro, uh, the Fox sensor is explaining, you know, the rating system. And then all of a sudden out of that box, you see an arm pop out and then you know it slowly and it has a long sword and it starts stabbing the sensor and every time he stabs him uh the rating goes up and i thought that was so creepy because the music that plays when the arm like kind of appears out of nowhere because you don't you don't think it's gonna happen i mean that's kind of random so sit back and enjoy a night of worry-free <laughs> What the fudge? It was so creepy. And uh, another fun fact is originally, I think the writers wanted to use a dagger for this intro, but the Fox sensors in real life were like, no, 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 don't do that. Like we're, we're totally against it. But I think eventually they settled on a sword and it had to be like wide in length. Um, like that's any better. I don't know. <laughs> a cutlass. Yeah, it was like a pirate sword. I think the music in the arm and just like the stabbing, that just kind of did it for me. I was like, all right, yeah, this is going to be a good episode. <laughs> Not the blood that dripped from the sensor into the title. I thought that yeah, would probably, I'm probably immune to it by now, you know. <laughs> yeah. For my three picks for Trassel Horror intros, I'm starting with uh, Trassel Horror 6, which is also the Headless Horseman one with Krusty's head. Very unnerving when it first shows up, unexpected. You know, we're used to the whole Marge showing up in front of the curtain, even Homer on occasion uh, to warn us to kind of ease us into the episode. And even the cemetery scenes where it's like Simpsons Halloween special and then it, you know, dives into the gates and shows us all the funny tombstones. But um, this one took me by surprise just because of the atmosphere, the, the stark soundtrack where it's like the howling wind of, and the midnight moon. Uh, with all these dark creepy trees and you see like the the bridge of lost souls in the background if you look carefully and of course didn't expect Krusty's head and also it flying at you it's it's just one of those moments where it felt like jaws in 3d where 
you know, for a split second, you're like, ah, get out of the way. <laughs> so, you know, short, short, sweet, and scary. That's, that's how I like it. And then um, Treehouse of Horror 10, I actually enjoyed because, uh, you know, Kang and Kodos are a staple of the Treehouse of Horror series. Originally, they weren't going to be continued after their segment from the first Treehouse of Horror, but because they became so popular, they found a way to work them in, uh, if not in a segment, then at least like a quick little cameo shot uh, during the episodes. And for the 10th one, because it was like a milestone episode, they had like a award ceremony style opening. And then uh, I just love how they like come come through this like jack-o'-lantern set piece that like rises down from the top of the stage and you got these two eyes and then when the the face opens up it's like each of them were one of the eyes and they come out and then of course they try to break the ice with some really bad punny jokes and of course the audience isn't reacting although the canned laughter is playing it's it's a jolly good time and i i really enjoyed how it pokes fun at award ceremonies for that reason king what are you doing you said we were going to warm up the audience <laughs> And then, um, of course, I got to it's not in my notes, but I wanted to have a third one as well, just because I wanted to be cool. Uh, but uh, I, I really like the one. I think it's Treehouse of Horror 3, where uh, Homer comes in with the Alfred Hitchcock Presents kind of silhouette. And I really like the homage to that just because. Uh, there were some times when I couldn't sleep as a kid and I watched Nick at night and I remember seeing Alfred Hitchcock presents at like 2 a.m. in the morning and just kind of being freaked out by it because I didn't know what it was. It wasn't Twilight Zone, but I'd always remember it for that weird outline. And then I tried to make it of myself uh, with my shadow with like a flashlight <laughs> pointed at me against the wall. But I couldn't do it even if I puffed out my chest. I just I just don't have the same stature as Alfred Hitchcock. That just... You know, I big shoes to fill, <laughs> big suit to fill, more like it. Um, but I, I liked it for its iconography. It's very simple but effective. For my intro picks, you're going to see uh, a recurring theme with mine. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good gag, and you can do it over and over, and I will still very, very much enjoy it if I liked it the first time. And my first pick is the Treehouse of Horror 1. Uh, this is my first time watching it, uh, and it's setting the scene for all Treehouse of Horrors to come, and the the warning by Marge was was fine. Uh, wasn't anything about it that made me laugh, but I did appreciate the Frankenstein homage because I've I I love the old Universal uh, monster movies. Mm -hmm. But as the credits would begin to roll, and the camera would zoom into the Springfield Cemetery and you would begin to see all the tombstones. And this is where my gag comes in that I really, really liked because at first they're, they're simple um, headstones. I mean, you, you've got like Ishmael Simpson and uh, you know, Jebediah Simpson and wh whatever other old names that you can think of. And then it goes into Garfield and Grateful Dead and Casper and, uh, <laughs> And, and disco and uh, Elvis and it, I just thought that was great. I, re I really liked just reading those tombstones, and uh, then it pushes past the tombstones and goes to their home, and zooms into the treehouse where they're going to begin telling their stories, and the the tombstones is what really did it for me. Uh, it was a gag that just kept 
going very, very quickly, and I really liked that. So it should be no surprise that for my second pick, it's Treehouse of Horror 2 for the same reason, uh, because of the tombstones, uh, because now they, they've pushed it even farther, because the first one, we've got to set up the punchline or set up the joke for the punchline. Now that it's already set up and the very first tombstone it shows is Bambi's mom, which <laughs> oh, now I'm in hysterics. And uh, then you, they showed Walt Disney, and my favorite one was Lose Weight Now, Ask Me How, because I remember in the yeah. 90s, those commercials were everywhere, and it oh was, gosh, it, yes. I hated those things. But uh, the other thing I really liked about this intro was this was the first time that they started playing with the names of the creators, uh, mm. because... Uh, their credits they're always just their role of what they did and their name now they're adding things like a malevolent matt groaning uh so they're they're really having a good time with the different names and also uh when the camera pulls into or pans into the house this time you saw a group of kids that would that would scamper past and they were all like the charlie brown peanuts uh when mm -hmm. they were all in those ghost sheets uh which i thought was a, a pretty fun nod and my third pick is not number three but it is actually number four uh <laughs> I see what you did there uh <laughs> but uh but the reason is i, I liked the ones in number three but the the fourth one the very first let me let me backtrack on the first treehouse of four you had elvis as one of the tombstones the very first tombstone they showed on uh part four was elvis accept it which <laughs> i remember that that was great and it all uh, makes and sense they, now yeah and uh they also had subtle political satire which i thought was also great because it, this is simpsons there's no subtlety at all anywhere in in simpsons and uh probably my favorite and probably the most creative one was the very last tombstone and i think this is the last tombstone they had period because uh, they did i don't think they did this gag anymore after uh the fourth no. trias of four but uh the last tombstone said tv violence and then it gets riddled with bullets and blood starts pouring <laughs> out of it and it, it was a great visual gag. But uh, those are my three favorite Treehouse of Horrors just because of the tombstones. Yeah, I actually remember watching the DVD commentary when researching for this episode and just remember hearing all the crew members say like, oh man, it's so hard to come up with all these different tombstone gags. I don't know how long we're going to keep this up for. And sure enough, by the end of the fourth one, they're like, all right, screw it. We've, we've done all the big hitters. Let's, uh, let's change course here. So, um, you know, by Treehouse of Horror 6, they just didn't waste any time with the introduction. It's like, okay, here's something spooky. Here's, here's the title. Let's get right into it. No, no wraparounds either. So that's why we didn't really um, mention those because uh, those are also discontinued after like fourth or fifth. Yeah, I remember reading somewhere that the tombstones and the scary names, uh, they took inspiration off of EC Comics, uh, which is, I guess, an old comic series back in the 1950s. Uh, it's 
entertainment comics, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. yeah, they're known for uh, Tales of the, from the Crypt more specifically, and they do like various horror and sci-fi genre type stuff. Yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool that they took inspiration from something like that because I've never heard of DC Comics until I read this fact, and you know, it was pretty cool knowing that Tales from the Crypt came from this. Yeah, I, I thought at first when I heard that detail that it meant DC Comics because I've heard of them, not EC Comics. Like, I thought it was some sort of, like, poor man's version, but nope, they're their own legitimate brand with their own line of various comics. All right, so uh, let's not delay the inevitable anymore. Let's uh, dive right into our tales, light the jack-o'-lantern, and uh, stuff our face with some candy. Here are our Treehouse of Horror segment picks. And because it's a favorites episode, not a top five countdown like we did for the Rugrats one, these are not in any particular order, um, and they are not a set amount. So that's that's really what separates you know favorites from other types of episodes we do. You know, we just got a, a random bunch of them, and we're going to mention them because they were memorable to us. Uh, so starting off, uh, we'll we'll rotate. I'm going to start off with my pick first, um, and we'll go to Alex and Monica, and then wrap around again. Uh, my first pick is one of the earlier House of Horror tales, and it is from the second one. And it is based off of uh, a classic tale that's known in horror literature that also the tale of the Twisted Claw was based off of from Are You Afraid of the Dark? And that is the monkey's paw. And what happens in this one is essentially the Simpsons go to Morocco for some sort of vacation. Uh, Homer ends up at like this little bizarre tent with like a, a creepy wares guy, a uh, creepy merchant who's like selling random things and he picks up this monkey paw, think it's kind of gross, and he's intrigued by the fact that it gives him wishes, four wishes to be exact. And so they, they decide to get the paw and then they decide what, what are they going to wish with it, uh, despite the warning from the merchant. You'll be sorry. <laughs> Homer, where did you get that ugly thing? Well, you dead little shop right over there. <gasps> On your way, it was over there. You'll be sorry. You know, I think it starts out with Maggie first, where she ends up wishing for, well, the family thinks she wishes for, like, a, a luxury limousine, which, you know, Homer's totally excited about. And then the great reveal is that when they open the door, the, the driver comes out with um, this pillow with, like, a brand shiny new binky on it. And, of course, she takes out her old dry ratty one, puts, pops it in, and that's her wish. And then <laughs> it, it, it's a great sight gag for sure. <laughs> and then it escalates a little bit more with Bart wishing that the Simpsons are famous or rich and famous. And then, you know, after they get tons of money that explodes out of every which way possible in their house, uh, they, they are soon treated with lots of dignity and respect. And they got like tons of merchandise, which I feel is foreshadowing the events of how big they are now. I mean, you got everything from Simpsons ac action figures to rides at Universal Studios to even Simpsons underwear. Uh, I just hope they're not Krusty the Clown brand. <laughs> um, so the, the downside of the wish is that a lot of people begin to start resenting them and hating them because they're so famous that, you know, they could do anything to be successful. So the envy of every, everyone around them is starting to get to them. Um, and uh, I, I believe Lisa follows up with that with a wish for world peace. I, I don't think Bart's wish is really resolved. They just build upon that instead. So everyone gets along at this point. They throw away their guns in some sort of incinerator and all, all other weapons. And then, you know, 
dance along, sing Kumbaya, make a giant peace sign on the United States. And then, of course, we reveal, uh, you know, from from outside planet Earth in the in space, we see King and Kodos observing and they're like, now is our time to strike. And so they come down to Earth proclaiming that one of them is like the king of Earth now. And they got like a club and a slingshot and they're, they're just ready to beat everyone up and enslave them. And then, of course, that's what happens. And, you know, everyone is disappointed that world peace didn't turn out quite the way that they thought it would because, you know, be careful what you wish for. And then, you know, they're just kind of figuring out what to do in their kitchen. And then Homer decides, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a foolproof wish that can't be screwed up. And he wishes for... I wish for a turkey sandwich on rye bread with lettuce and mustard and and... I don't want any zombie turkeys. I don't want to turn into a turkey myself. And I don't want any other weird surprises. You got it. And then, of course, it just materializes out of thin air. Homer bites it, and then he's like, mm, Not bad. Nice hot mustard. Good bread. Turkey's a little dry. The turkey's a little dry. Oh, bow the cursed thing! What demon from the depths of hell created thee? No, be, before you know it, you know, they just can't win. They they end up throwing the paw into the trash. Flanders happens to stop by, and Homer thinks that, you know, bad luck will befall him if he starts wishing with the monkey's paw. So he decides to hand over the paw to Flanders. And then, once you know, he makes, like, all the right wishes that undo all the previous bad wishes that were made, except for the turkey sandwich one. I don't know how you undo that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he wishes to get rid of the aliens, and then, of course, Mo chases them with a giant board with a nail, and they retreat, <laughs> and then they say a brilliant quote about coming back with even bigger boards and nails for their revenge. And then, um, you know, Ned spruces up his homestead. He upgrades from, like, his normal ranch split-level house to essentially Disney's Magic Kingdom. Uh, again, fore foreshadowing. And then, you know, he gets tons of fame and accolades for saving the world. And and then it just ends on Homer saying, I wish I had a monkey's paw. Just <laughs> stone cold like that. And uh, I, re I really like it for the play on the wishes. So that's my pick. First pick. My first pick is from Treehouse of Horror 4, and it is The Devil and Homer Simpson. Mm. Nice. Uh, very abridged telling of it, but Homer is in desperate need of a donut. He must <laughs> have a donut. Uh, no matter where he goes, there is donuts that are gone. He even goes to his in-case-of-emergency donut, and... When he opens the box, there is a note that says, I owe you one donut, signed Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just gives the, the proclamation, I would sell my soul for a donut. And the devil shows up, and the devil is Ned Flanders. And he's like, ah, oh, yes, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a donut if uh, it'll co cost you a soul. And it do doesn't even hesitate. Many people offer to sell their souls without reflecting upon the grave ramifications. Do you have a donut or not? <laughs> and starts to eat it and gets down to just one last bite. And Homer stops and goes, wait a minute. If I don't eat this last bit, you don't have my, you can't have my soul. Well, yes, that's true. I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the devil. You are not me. Everyone starts to constantly look after homer you know don't don't eat that and uh, in the middle of the night he gets up and he's very tired very zombie like opens up the refrigerator 
and there is that one piece on a, a plate with notes all around it. You know, soul eating. Do not eat this one. Stay away. <laughs> and he just pops it right in, and instantly Ned Flanders' devil shows back up, and is going to take uh, his soul to hell now. But the family comes to his rescue, and we're like, no, doesn't he get to go to court? Can't you do something about this? So death becomes the judge. Uh, Ned Satan is the uh, prosecuting attorney, and now it turns into a, a courtroom drama. And come to find out, in a very, very sweet moment, actually, which we don't really get a lot of in Simpsons, but Marge comes forward and says that whenever they were dating, he actually pledged his soul to her. So she owns his soul. So which makes this contract that he signed just completely negated. And uh, of course, Homer rubs it in his face. And uh, he's got one more. Satan has one more trick on his sleeve and turns Homer's head into a giant donut. And he keeps trying to eat his own head. And they're like, Dad, stop that. <laughs> like, well, I'm so tasty. <laughs> then there is mind of one pick. Don't forget that it ends with all the cops waiting for him to come outside. <laughs> Don't worry, boys. He's got to come out of there sometime. Yeah, I love the part when, uh, when I guess devil flanders uh sentence or like turns homer into a donut and the whole room you see that lightning flash and you can see for like a split second that devil flanders is a skeleton and it's like a it's a very 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 quick scene but i really like that special effects that they did mm -hmm. yeah there's a lot of good good little tidbits with this one particularly like um when when Ned Flanders like gets enraged as the devil and he like turns into this Chernabog type figure from Fantasia, um, yeah. and also when Homer goes to hell, they like chop him up and then he's like forced to eat all the donuts in the world and he's still eating even though they're almost <laughs> out of him. <laughs> and then the the imp says like I don't get it. This drove James Coco mad, which I don't know who James Coco is because it's probably irrelevant now. But uh, the the visuals are speak for itself. Monica, what is yours? My first one. So I'm going to go backwards just a little bit. Um, my first pick is from season two, episode three, Treehouse of Horror One, uh, the segment Bad Dream House. Um, so this is the first segment of the first ever Treehouse of Horror that aired on October 25th, 1990. Uh, of course, you know, the main inspiration behind the Treehouse of Horror, kind of like what I mentioned, was the EC Comics. Uh, this particular segment, uh, it takes inspiration from Poltergeist and Amityville Horror, which hopefully I said that correctly, <laughs> two horror films. And um, so kind of like what I mentioned before, in their earlier Treehouse of Horrors, you'll see what they call like a wraparound segment or intros. Uh, so in this first one, Bartley, you're sitting up in the treehouse telling ghost stories and, you know, Homer's coming back from trick-or-treating, not sure why he didn't take his kids with him, uh, but he comes back from trick-or-treating and he's sitting outside of the treehouse while telling ghost stories. So the first story is Bad Dream House, which is, you know, I guess to sum up the segment, the Simpsons move into a house after they got a really good deal on it. And then they start wondering why they got such a good deal and strange things start to happen, like objects are flying, walls are bleeding. Uh, there's there's one where there's a vortex in the kitchen 
that pops up and Homer tries to throw like an orange or something and then it it the vortex thing kind of throws a piece of paper back at him saying quit throwing your garbage into our dimension but you know pretty quickly lisa starts to sense that there's something evil in the house and marge wants to get out homer you know wants to rest on it for a night and kind of he's like all these strange noises all these strange things this house settling we spent a lot of money let's sleep on it of course, you know, overnight, the house possesses the family and they all get up and start chasing each other with axes and knives until Marge, who's the only non-possessed one, yells at everyone and kind of talks sense into everyone. And of course, at that moment, they find out the house was built over an ancient Indian burial ground. The family confronts the house and its entity after yelling at the real estate agent over the phone. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was built on an Indian burial ground! No, you didn't! Well, that's not my recollection. Yeah, well, all right, goodbye. He says he mentioned it five or six times. Uh, and demands it, you know, the house treat the family with respect if they're going to live together. And the house is like, all right, let me think about it. So the Simpsons walk out. They're standing on the sidewalk on the outside. And you can hear the house saying, <laughs> life with the Simpsons. And then, of course, all of a sudden it starts, it just self-destructs. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it'd rather, you know, self-destruct than live with the Simpsons. And, and you know, I love this overall segment. Um, kind of like what Alex mentioned before, it kind of sets the scene. You know, it kind of sets the whole tone and the vibe of the, of the whole Treehouse of Horror. It has really creepy music in this segment, which I really, really like. And uh, even if the next segment with the aliens aren't really super creepy, it still has like an overall like Halloween horror tone. And, you know, if I was a kid sitting up in a treehouse on Halloween, I feel like this is a type of story that I would tell. Because, uh, of course, growing up, I was always the kid who wanted to tell ghost stories. So, you know, I definitely like this segment and I, and I like this episode. Well, uh, I guess I'll go with my second pick. Uh, moving right along into Treehouse of Horror 3 territory. This was a really tough one because I liked all the segments uh, for Treehouse of Horror 3, but this one edges it out a little bit more for me just because of all the great quotes and all, all the action. So it's uh, Dial Z for Zombies. And nice. Yeah, yeah. The basic premise of this, without going into too much detail, is... Uh, Bart, Bart reads a baby book for a school book project, and the teacher tells him to go pick another one. Stop trying to, you know, weasel out of the project. And he ended up finding this uh, mystical occult book from, like, this black magic occult section of the school library and takes it home. And he's like, oh, this looks interesting, of course, as he opens the book with, like, the souls popping out of it, and then he shuts it back, and, uh, you know, they, they're like, ow, ow, ow! <laughs> so... So as he's like looking through the book, he's he's talking with Lisa and she's mourning over her first snowball cat because apparently the, the one they're living in if now is the second one. And they decide to raise the the first snowball from the dead uh, and go to the pet cemetery that's not too far from them. So they, they attempt to read one of the spells from the book. For some reason, Bart's wearing the Michael Jackson Thriller album on his head because I think uh, baby boomers used to wear album covers on their head uh, back then. And 
you know, they raise a bunch of zombies instead, instead of the snowball cat. So all of them start terrorizing the town. Everyone's freaking out. Um, and, you know, the natural <laughs> inclination is to, like, board up the doors and stay inside and stay away from all the zombies before they eat their brains. And <laughs> there's this really great quote that I love from this episode that really helped me, like, add it to my favorites for this episode. And it, it goes like this. Dad, we did something very bad. Did you wreck the car? No. Did you raise the dead? Yes. But the car's okay. Uh-huh. All right, then. It's great. And then there's, like, another similar moment where everyone but Homer is, like, boarding up the windows. Did you barricade the door? Why? Oh, there's zombies. No. He doesn't have any brains in his head, so they move right along to someone else. <laughs> and, you know, just to make a long story short, they all go to the school. Other hilarity ensues, including um, blasting uh, Einstein and Shakespeare to bits with Homer's shotgun. Oh, 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 shoot. I forgot this part, too. Before before we get to the school, I have to mention this brilliant line where there's a zombie Flanders that's coming up uh, to, like, bite Homer and Bart because he got bitten by letting the zombies in early because he's just so darn polite to everyone. And uh, without hesitation, Homer shoots him dead. And Bart says, Dad, you killed the zombie Flanders. He was a zombie? You know, they, they kill a bunch of zombies at the school. They find a second book to reverse the spell. And after they read it in the cult section, there's like this metropolis um, set of rings from that old film Fritz Lang's Metropolis that just kind of blast out of the book and, you know, make everything right again. And all the zombies go back to their graves. And then we have a little moment where, like, they're trying to figure out whose grave is what so they're in the right graves because, you know, there's more than one John Smith. And everything essentially goes back to normal. We still see a few zombies just like dropping dead around the, the, the town hall where the mayor's giving a speech. And that's pretty much it. I love it. Zombies, great lines, shotguns. What's more to love? <laughs> Isn't this the same episode where Principal Skinner, uh, he's making an announcement and he was like, Martin Prince, report to my office at once. And bring that big, juicy chess club brain of yours along with you. And it yeah. kind of foreshadows to um, a future segment that we will talk about. I'm not gonna, not gonna no, ruin anything. <laughs> yeah, it's actually on my list. But yeah, I, I like how when you watch these Treehouse of Horrors back to back to back, you start to notice patterns and even some ways that they cleverly connect each other. Not just with like the in intro sequences with the curtains and all, or even the tombstones, but little subtle ways like the one you just mentioned. Alex, what is your second favorite pick? My second pick is uh, related to a movie. I love whenever movies get so popular, or especially ones that are good, hmm. and then people want to parody it. Uh, those particularly are my favorite. And that was certainly the case with this. And if you go back to the 90s and think about what horror movies were really popular around this time... Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula is the big one. And in Treehouse of Horror 4, we have Bart Simpson's Dracula, which is very much a parody of the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula. Uh, play, plays out the whole thing within a few minutes. But if essentially, the family ends up going to, quote-unquote, Dracula's castle, which was Mr. Burns, of course, as the uh, 
senior Dracula, senior vampire. And I mean, he, they even make fun of the the ridiculous hat or the the wig because that that was a big thing. People thought, why does he look like that? That looks stupid. That wig thing looks stupid. <laughs> that looks like a butt to me. <laughs> yeah. And Homer even makes that joke. Oh. Along the lines of, <laughs> Do you notice anything strange? Yeah, his hairdo looks so weird. I heard that. You was a boy. They split Lisa and Bart end up finding the uh, secret vampire room very subtly with the giant neon lights that are pointing secret vampire room. And uh, they find out that they're surrounded by vampires. They try to get out. And Lisa makes it to the top of the spiral staircase. Bart ends up seeing a lever that says super fun happy slide <laughs> and he uh he goes full isma is like ah pull the lever and uh he <laughs> he turns and talks directly to the camera i know i really shouldn't but when am i gonna be here again pulls the lever and the stairs turn into a giant slide he slides all the way down back into the quote-unquote secret vampire lair he turns into a vampire and then tries to bite Lisa. That's when Grandpa burst in with the quote that Brett had just said of, uh, Quick! We have to kill the boy! How'd you know he's a vampire? He's a vampire? Ah! And it is revealed that they have to kill the head vampire. You kill the head vampire, you save everyone else. So now it's a quest to go find Mr. Burns' Dracula. And Homer comes across the super fun happy slide lever again, and Lisa stops him. And then he goes to drive the stake through the heart of the vampire, puts the stake down, hammers it in a few times. Take that, vile fiend! Dad, that's his crotch. The episode ends when they're all sitting down, having uh, eating at the table, and then all of them are revealed to be vampires once more, except for Lisa, and they all go to attack, but just before they attack, they have this huge tonal shift, which I thought was great. <laughs> uh, because Very fitting, considering how you set up for Rugrats. <laughs> yes, because, because uh, I mean, I've always of the mindset that the scariest thing for uh, Halloween and horror movie fans is people who celebrate Christmas early like very very early uh, but in the 90s that wasn't really a thing uh, people didn't start really decorating uh, for Christmas until right around Thanksgiving uh, at least yeah. not that I can recall not now you know my my house is up in November 1st but um, <laughs> but in and in defense uh, Halloween is up September 1st so don't get too mad at me but uh, but I mean every, that wasn't really a thing so I thought it was great that the, this episode ended with right before they got to her they stopped and waved at the camera happy Halloween everybody and it starts snowing inside the house and they start doing the charlie brown christmas ending where they're all doing hark the herald angels sing and the camera pulls back and you see the one character playing the piano and the dog dancing like snoopy in the background and it was it made me laugh and then it made me laugh even more and it made me laugh even more with just the next punchline and the next punchline and the next punchline it was it was a killer ending <laughs> 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 and that is my number two 
it was a blood sucking good time. Uh, Monica, what is your second pick? My second pick, actually, before I go into my second pick, I did want to mention um, in the Bart's Dracula episode, we we saw that there was a deleted scene. Um, you know, it was actually kind of un. It was after Bart got bit by Mr. Burns and he turns into a vampire. Uh, I guess the family didn't realize he was a vampire. Um, so in this deleted scene, he's actually floating into the kitchen where everybody's having breakfast and he's wearing sunglasses and, you know, you see him floating and then the dog and the cat are, you know, hissing and grab. <laughs> yeah, exactly like that. Is Alex a vampire? But like the dog and cat. Top of right <laughs> Wait, he was a zombie? <laughs> <laughs> um but you know you see the dog and cat kind of hiss and growl at him and you know lisa says to homer you know dogs and cats can sense something is wrong or something is evil and i think that's pretty much it uh i think that's pretty much the deleted scene from what i could remember yeah they cut it out due to time yeah and and i'm glad they did because it it didn't really um it didn't really have that punch that the the final version had and we yeah. might mention in a couple of other picks that uh some of the other deleted scenes that we ended up seeing too which were quite interesting i don't know if i i would like to see them actually appended to the episodes that we're going to mention but you know they're worth mentioning in case anyone wants to check them out my second pick is season three episode seven treehouse of horror two if i only had a break uh, this episode's wraparound segment is the kids go trick-or-treating and they bring back a bunch of candy. The kids and Homer start gorging on the candy and Marge warns them about having nightmares. Of course, they don't believe her, obviously. So each segment in this is a nightmare. Uh, the first one Brett mentioned was the monkey's paw. Uh, I think that was Lisa's dream, but this one is Homer's nightmare. So in this segment, Homer gets fired by men for being lazy and incompetent. He ends up finding another job as a grave digger, which is kind of random. Uh, meanwhile, Mr. Burns is trying to replace his workers with robots to maximize his profits. Uh, so he and Smithers finds Homer sleeping in a grave thinking he's dead because they're looking for a human brain inside of a robot, of course. Uh, they bring him back to the laboratory. They bring Homer's Homer's body back to the laboratory after, you know, Mr. Burns, like, hits him with a shovel <laughs> and knocks him unconscious. Uh, they take his brain out. They implant it into the robot, and they're shocked when the robot ends up being lazy like Homer. They return Homer's brain, but when Mr. Burns gets mad at, at the robot for being useless and kicks it with, like, this little puny kick, it's a, it, apparently it's enough to move the robot and it ends up crushing Mr. Burns. So the episode ends with Homer waking up and he goes to the bathroom and he thinks it's all like a nightmare. And then he finds Mr. Burns' head attached to his shoulder and, you know, the episode ends with Mr. Burns laughing and saying, Oh, that's right. It's all a dream. Or is it? <laughs> That part used to scare me as a kid because, in general, any kind of ending that was open-ended or, you know, stories like, and the serial killer was in the room the whole time, like, where it's <laughs> open-ended and it just kind of ends like that, that always used to scare me and just leave me unsettled. Uh, and I remember, you know, watching this as a younger person, I can't say heard, but it still, you know, creeped me out. Uh, but, you know, as Alex mentioned that, 
you know, you can see the Charlie Brown kids run across the side, sidewalk in the beginning of the episode uh, before the kid, the bully kids come over and get candy from Homer. Um, and yeah, definitely, definitely a good, good episode or a good segment. You, you forgot our favorite line that we reuse over and over and over again. You know, when Homer spots the, the donuts in Terminator Vision, dumps the whole thing in his mouth and he says, Mmm, Brinkos. So for my third pick, I'm actually going to go with a school bus themed one, believe it or not, which is Terror at Five and a Half Feet from Trails of Horror 4. And I find it really funny that it relates to our episode 31 of the podcast where we talked about DOS Bus versus Yellow Fever, which is both school bus themed, because there's actually a, a scene in this one where Otto's like, hey, who's driving the bus? And he's like in the back looking at the gremlin along with all the other kids trying to find it. But before I jump ahead of myself, basically what happens in this story is that Bart's on the bus ride to school one day while it's rainy out. And of course, Principal Skinner's sitting in the front. Um, there's this great quote where he says, Hello, Simpson. I'm riding the bus today because mother hid my car keys to punish me for talking to a woman on the phone. She was right to do it. Uh, so Bart's sitting in the back of Millhouse looking at some boring-ass crusty to clown trading cards, and he notices a gremlin on the side of the bus that's starting to tear, about, tear apart the bus. You know, he's like ripping out the wiring of the taillights. He's taking the bolts out of the tires one by one. He's like scratching at the metal and Bart's just freaking out. Um, you know, he's, he doesn't know what to do. He's trying to get everyone else's attention, but no one believes him. And of course, there's a ton of other great gags that are going on here, like uh, Martin's Wang computer shirt, which is even funnier when you get the reference that they wanted um, to work with the the production crew of The Simpsons to like get that nod so they get more business, but they became bankrupt shortly after. So like the production crew is like, "Where's my Wang computer T-shirt?" and they threw that in as a joke. So um, you know that's a that's a nice little side thing. And every time Bart's like trying to get the attention to get rid of the gremlin, no one's believing him. And you know he's just he he doesn't know what to do, so he tries to take matters in into his own hands and. Uh, at one point, Willie also gets on the bus because he has like a horse bridle. And I think his horse broke down, something like that. So he like joins Skinner and, you know, Bart, Bart ends up throwing a road flare at it after he like gets ejected out of the window, very similarly to how William Shatner's character, Bob Wilson, did in the Twilight Zone episode, Nightmare at 20,000 Feet, which um, yeah. if you come to find the more Treehouse of Horror episodes you watch, you'll discover that many of them many of them especially in the 90s reference the twilight zone so this one's an homage to that and when they eventually defeat the gremlin uh he rolls away he's hit by the road flare that bart takes from jimbo as he's pulling a prank on martin and uh he, flanders ends up running over it with his car and he's concerned he picks it up and he like immediately adopts it as his own kin like isn't that cute he's trying to claw my eyes out and he's just looking there all like nervous and cold and scared like a puppy in the rain and once they get to the school the bus breaks down and like all the wheels fall off the windows break and uh principal skinner orders bart to be sent away to a mental hospital on a gurney into this um this like ambulance that's uh, marked Looney Bin. And as it's driving away, Bart thinks he's safe from the gremlin, thinking like, ah, now I don't have to worry about that anymore. Peace and relaxation where I'm going. And then of course, you know, as a sudden brilliant twist, 
the gremlin shows up yet again on the window and he holds up Flanders' head with the spinal cord coming out. And he's like, I'll leave and, and Bart just does that trademark Simpsons scream where he's like, ah, with his mouth jittering in the, in the tongue going back and forth like that. It's, it's, it's a great cliffhanger, chiller, thriller of an ending. Um, and that's why it's my pick. There's lots of action, lots of fun references. And of course, this is the first instance where the Simpsons side character, Uter, shows up, who, you know, he was so well received in this small bit that he returned later for another one that's on my list, too. So, yeah, that's that's my pick. I like the little reference that they uh, made to the AMC Gremlin car. Yes, yes, with Hans Molman. Yes. <laughs> I love it, yeah. Yeah, at one point he tells Otto there's a gremlin on the side of the bus, and he's like, ooh, I better do something about that. And, and we see Hans Molman driving right right beside him and then rams him <laughs> off the side of the road. And then when you think it's going to run into the tree, it doesn't. It stops just before that. And then all of a sudden... No. Oh, no. I just made my last payment. Ooh. All right, Alex, what's your next pick? My numero trio is uh, from Treehouse of Horror numero 5 and that <laughs> nice Spanish <laughs> and that nice. is Time and Punishment I had made mention earlier in the episode that I'm a sucker for a good gag and this is pretty much one gag that's just exploited to the nth degree and I, I love it for that reason the setup is bonkers it, it does not make sense it starts with Homer's hand stuck in a toaster and he beats the toaster off which is a gross thing to say and then he <laughs> and uh, then he ends up repairing it and then when he would put a piece of bread in and push the lever down he would time travel and he got sent to now bear with me again this is in the 90s what was what classic Spielberg movie was big in the 90s he goes to the, to the Jurassic time period and there's dinosaurs everywhere they would do their own little uh, alliteration of the theme song and he remembers oh, I didn't remember what my grandfather told me on my wedding day and he a thought bubble pops up of his grandfather in a tuxedo if you ever travel back in time step on anything because even the tiniest change can alter the future in ways you can't imagine okay don't change anything just go back to the future and then this giant mosquito starts messing with him and he swats it and then he thinks <laughs> uh that shouldn't mess with anything and then goes back to the future and goes to his time his present time and his family's all sitting at the table they're fine he's good and then this television essentially uh, and then Ned Flanders is on it and he's like oh hi hi diddly doing all you slaves and then the, all of the family turns around like ah yes master or however the thing was but essentially he had take over, t taken over everything and brainwashed everyone and um, then he found out that Homer was not under his uh, his control so he took them to a re-education center where he was forced to smile and was going to have to undergo a, a minor lobotomy surgery where they only took out a small portion of the brain. 
and uh, he wasn't about it. He he goes back home, and time travels again. And uh, now he's being very careful not to kill anything. Uh, but a, a T Rex shows up and tries to eat him. So he he runs away, trips, and ends up falling down on top of this pink fish frog thing that jumps out of the ocean and ends up killing that and then goes back to the future again and now nobody's in the kitchen but the roof gets ripped right off and he looks up and there's a giant lisa and bart that treat treat the house like it's a play doll so he goes back again and uh again messes with something uh he he ends up sneezing and kills all of the dinosaurs <laughs> and when he like comes a domino back again, effect Yes, they'll just tumble one right after the other and comes back again and again it's messed up and uh, he uh, it was actually everyone was very regal. They were wearing these lovely clothes and they were rich and he was like, ah, this isn't bad. I can, I can deal with this. It sits down at the table and they're like, oh, hello, good morning, father. Like, ah, good morning. Would you kindly pass me a donut? Donut? What's a donut? <laughs> it's raining again. And uh, when he comes back again, now the family seems nice, but uh, Groundskeeper Willie came up and is like, I know why you keep going to the past, I, or why you can't get something straight. Uh, the answer is, and then Maggie throws an axe in his back and, and dies. So he goes back to the past, and now he goes on a rampage. He's just mad, so he takes a bat, starts beating everything, and it cuts to the house, the exterior of the house, and everything he destroys, the house would change form. And um, then he ends up coming back and now it seems like everyone is normal. Mm. I can do this. Okay, fine. I'm done. And then they're all like, okay, well, let's eat. And then they start eating the food like a lizard, like a frog. Their tongue sticks out and just gets the food. <laughs> and he's like, close enough. And that's the end of the that's the end of the segment. Love it's it. a simple gag, but they just how how far can we push this idea? And I love those. Yeah, yeah, it's a really fun one. I just I like how they play with time in like that scenario and it really makes you wonder how the Simpsons universe could be altered in such a way if it was uh controlled in the wrong hands <laughs> or even just like little changes like sit squishing a, a a fish as it was growing legs coming out of the water. <laughs> so, Monica, what is your next pick for us? All right, so my third pick comes from season 4, episode 5. It's Treehouse of Horror 3. Uh, the segment is Clown Without Pity. Uh, so in this episode, the Simpsons have, again, a Halloween party at their house. Um, and they all decide to sit around and they tell ghost stories. Uh, Lisa tells a story parody of The Living Doll, uh, which is based off of the Twilight Zone episode, uh, with Talking Tina. Uh, her story is about a Krusty the Clown doll Homer buys for Bart on his birthday because you know, he forgets that it's Bart's birthday and Bart has his party and Homer's like, oh crap, I forgot to get him something. So he goes to this like super sketchy shop. Uh, and did you guys ever catch, uh, when you look into the shop, did you ever notice the monkey's paw that's sitting on the counter? 
I did actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I took a second look, and it was actually um, like more brownish flesh colored instead of the the gray and black from before. And I think they threw that in there as an Easter egg because the voice actor who does the voice of the shop owner is the same guy who did the the bizarre merchant from Monkey's Paw. So a little bit of connection mm-hmm. going on there. <laughs> Yeah, I love these like references that they make to the previous episodes. Definitely, uh, especially when you're watching them in a row and you're binging it, you can see these little small details uh, that definitely make it a lot more special. So, okay, so Homer ends up buying this Krusty the Clown doll and the clown tries to kill Homer until they find out the doll has a switch in his back, which was set to evil this whole time. Yep, is your problem. Someone set this thing to evil. <laughs> Uh, then Krusty the doll, of course, it's set to good, and then he becomes Homer's personal servant and Malibu Stacy doll's lover. So that's kind of funny. Um, so actually, funny story uh, about that quote you just mentioned, Brett. <laughs> uh, so kind of relates to this episode, to that quote. Uh, I came home one day, and Brett has this like frantic, weird look on his face, and he starts saying that the TV's broken, and oh no, we're gonna have to buy a new one and I don't know what's wrong. And, you know, I noticed for this particular TV, uh, it was plugged into a certain outlet that's connected to a wall switch. So if the wall switch is on, the TV's on. If it's off, the TV doesn't work. I so, you know, know in the, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so when Brett, Brett's like pale in the face, he's panicking, he's rambling, he's like walking back and forth, he's pacing around. And, you know, I look over at the wall switch and I interrupt him. And I'm like, well, here's your problem. Someone set this thing to off. And I just turned it on and we just had a really good laugh after that. Um, but yeah, I always, I always reference that quote. And, uh, and you know, I also love the part where Krusty the Clown is trying to kill Homer and he's like, he's, he's wrapped around Homer's head. And finally, like Homer stumbles into the house while Krusty the Clown is, you know, latched onto his head and he's like Merch, Merch, look! Ah! The doll's trying to kill me and the toaster's been laughing at me! (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely love that quote. Um, Yeah, even the Twilight Zone episode, The Living Doll, I I like that episode. I thought it was really creepy. And then, you know, they did a really good job doing a parody of this, uh, of that episode in this segment. Mm. So I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, that's another great one. I I enjoyed it as well. Um, I would have put it on my list, but I didn't want to make this episode too, too long with everyone else's picks. <laughs> uh, I, I did like the quote where Homer's like throwing the Krusty the Clown doll into the sack with the socks. And he's like, you think your dirty socks can stop me? Well, they are making me dizzy. Ugh. It's one of those great moments where... We're tr- Homer's trying to get the upper hand, and you don't think he is at first. Yes. And then Krusty the Clown is latched on the bottom of the car, and I think that was a reference to... Cape Fear from Season 5. Yep, there we go. Yeah, Unfortunately, Cape Fear is not a Treehouse of Horror episode, but it really should be with all the great horror references it's got in it, like the hockey mask and chainsaw one Alex mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So uh... if you love Simpsons, whether it's Treehouse of Horror or not, Go watch Cape Fear. It's a masterpiece. (laughs) For my fourth pick, 
Uh, I hinted at it a little bit earlier with the mention of Uter because he's also in this one, but we're going into Triassa 5 territory now with Nightmare Cafeteria. There's no surprise here. It's about, you know, the faculty who, who are cramming everyone into t detention for like the littlest of offenses and they're running out of room and they don't know what to do with all the kids they're sending there. So they get the brilliant idea to just eat them. And they find many different ways to cook them up and eat them and make several food puns, including this uh, one about Uter after they take him away, uh, which Principal Skinner says. Oh, relax, kids. I've got a gut feeling Uter's around here somewhere. <laughs> after all, isn't there a little Uter in all of us? <laughs> in fact, you, you might even say we just ate Uter and he's in our stomachs right now <laughs> i have a hard time going into detail about this one because i just remember it very generally but also enjoying it where you know the faculty finds different ways to cleverly eat all the kids you know turn them into burgers bratwurst for oktoberfest you name it and then eventually you know they whittle down the student body down to like millhouse bart and lisa and they're cornered uh at this giant blender in God knows where in Springfield Elementary, and they're just trying to figure a way out to get away from it. And of course, Milhouse falls into it because he's scared stiff into the giant blender and he's eviscerated. And the Simpson kids are trying to figure out how to get out of this, as well as like Edna Krabappel, Principal Skinner, and Lynchley Doris are all, you know, pushing them over the edge to the plank. And eventually they fall in, they wake up. And it was just a dream, and it leads into the outro of the episode where, uh, you know, the family comes in to, you know, comfort Bart after having his nightmare, and then they notice that this weird fog is coming in from the window, and it ends up turning their, their skin inside out, which apparently is based on an old radio drama about a fog um, when I did research on this. And they just kind of start into a chorus line where they're dancing inside out, and their dog bites Spartan takes him away. So uh, if you Slimesters have more recollection of this than I do, I guess my memory's fading fast as I'm talking about it. Let me know in the comments. But uh, yeah, I like Nightmare Cafeteria for the visual gags really more than anything and the We Ate Uter line and also seeing Uter again because he's a fun side character. Uh, so for my numero foro is from Treehouse of Horror, Den. And oh. it is life's a glitch, then you die. <laughs> and nice wordplay there. Yeah, yeah. Anyone who was in the '90s, or or at least a child or a teenager, especially in the '90s, will remember the Y2K scare that went yes. nowhere. And that's what this was. This this was a uh, a, a doomsday storyline that featured the y2k uh glitch scare which was at the time at on when it goes from 99 to 2000 all of the microchips in the world are going to fry and then we're going to be back at the stone age that that was everyone's very irrational fear and that is what happened in this but instead of it being just because uh it was uh, a virus or because it, it just takes one bad computer that can spread out to other computers and of course it happened to be homer's computer that was messing up and got a virus and it spread to every every form of technology and uh 
the microchips were in everything. It was in milk of all things. <laughs> and uh, planes started falling from the sky like it was rain. And Marge just looks out the window like, mm, who's going to clean up all those jets? That they have this um this town meeting in a church about what to do and a police officer burst in and he's like hey people are raiding out here you better come get something real fast and so everyone starts to leave to go raid the city and uh homer's gonna go too and marge is against it i don't want you looting but i was gonna loot you a present oh all right <laughs> and they come across crusty who has a pacemaker and that pacemaker now that it's going faulty has changed him to uh, t- gone to hummingbird <laughs> mode, so he starts oh, yeah. flapping really fast and is hovering in the air. He's like my nectar, and um, he crashes to the ground. And they they find him, and they find that there's a ticket. Before I go into this ticket, I do have to preface that the reason I love this episode so much is because, and I said this in a preview, I said this in my Rugrats episode. I'm a very, very twisted person. Uh, And when you try to get me to listen or watch or do something that I absolutely do not like in the slightest, I resort to what is the worst possible thing I can think of in humanity. And I would rather do that than watch this. And that plays out at the end of this episode, which is why I love this episode so much. (laughs) Uh, But they find this ticket and it's to a rocket that's going to be taken off. It's, it's almost like a Noah's Ark type thing where they're using it for repopulation. And so they go to this rocket and uh, they're the person who's letting the people on. They're like, okay, uh, name please. And they said, Simpson. Simpson, let's see. Ah, yes, Lisa Simpson. We've got you on our uh, the proofreader for uh, this uh, new civilization. You're allowed to go on. And she's like, oh, yes, great. And then he gives the very, very shattering news. Now, before you enter, you're going to have to make a very difficult choice. You're only allowed to take one parent with you. Mom. No hesitation. <laughs> and she goes, oh, well, uh... I love you. And they get on the rocket and Homer is like, it's, it's okay. I love you. Remember me as I am filled with murderous rage. Bart ends up finding one more rocket that's off somewhere else. And they're going to go get onto that rocket. Like, Oh, Hey dad, there's another one. And they start to get on that plane and take off. Now Lisa's rocket is filled with the best and the brightest who have a lot to contribute to society. Homer and Bart's <laughs> rocket, not so much. Uh, it's filled with Ross Perot, Dr. Laura, Spike Lee. Wait a minute, they're not so great. Okay, but there's Dan Quayle and Courtney Love, Tanya Harding, Al Sharpton, ah, Tom Arnold. What the hell's going on? The most <laughs> annoying celebrities that you could find at that particular time period in the 90s. And instead of going to repopulize the the civilization, that rocket is just going straight for the sun. I mean, it, 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 never mind the fact that they're back in the Stone Age. They're <laughs> no, we're gonna get rid of all of the annoying celebrities and just shoot them straight to the sun and kill them. 
and uh rosie this is where my my twisted humor of man i'd rather do this than have to endure this because rosie o'donnell starts singing a, a musical number and she's like oh, okay this side of the rocket ship no this side and bart just looks over at homer's like don't worry dad we'll be dead in five minutes not fast enough <laughs> <sighs> Frankly, I do the same thing too. I can't stand Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> Although I did like her voicing the Girl Scout in the Ren and Stimpy episode, Eat My Cookies. That's probably like the only exception. Um, yeah, really good pick, Alex. I, I enjoy a lot of the humor in this one and I totally forgot about it until I revisited it for this episode and how Y2K was such a big deal, but it ended up not. Same thing with 2012. Yeah. So I guess history yeah. repeats itself. All right. So my fourth pick is from season seven, episode six, and it's the Treehouse of Horror six, Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace. Mm. Uh, and it's based off of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies with Freddy Krueger. Uh, the segment is about groundskeeper Willie who gets killed one night in the broiler room during a PTA meeting with the parents and Principal Skinner <laughs> during a snowstorm of all times. Uh, in the month of Smarch, I have to mention. <laughs> Ooh, lousy Smarch weather. Uh, Willie vows revenge on their children in their dreams and, they, and he starts to kill off the kid one by one. Uh, eventually, the Simpsons children defeat Willie in a dream only to see him come back in real life. So that's pretty much like the basic synopsis of, of it. And it's been such a long time since I've seen the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, of course, I'm due to rewatch the classics. Um, I remember listening to some commentary uh, based off of this episode. And, you know, the crew was talking about how when they showed it to their children, they didn't know about Nightmare on Elm Street. And, you know, they were really freaked out about Willie, especially like that part where they're in the dream sequence and you know they think he's like sunken in the sand in the sandbox and then he comes back slowly you can see he comes back as a spider and you could see the little like the legs come out of the sandbox and you know of course you see his head right behind bart when you know he thinks he's he's gone and you know that's definitely a really creepy scene it's just so many so many funny gags in this uh in this segment it's also kind of creepy too but my my favorite would probably have to be the smarch weather <laughs> um because i mean what's March? <laughs> but apparently smarch has 28 days so <laughs> yeah um, don't, don't forget the thermostat too where it says uh oh do not touch willie good advice and of course and... that's the inciting incident that causes willie to like burn up in the boiler room and then turn into a flaming corpse before he turns into dust Yes, exactly. Um, you know, like I mentioned before, I'm due to rewatch all these movies. But um, but Alex, I know you're a huge movie fan, um, so I'm so, so I'm kind of actually kind of curious about if you notice the references uh, to the movie in this segment. Because I mean, I was able to pick out a couple, but of course, I haven't seen it in a long time. Most of the references are directly related to the first Nightmare on M Street. Um, much the same way that they've done like the Dracula and and pretty much taking the main story of the first movie and this giving the Simpsons twist uh, even all the way down to 
the 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 shock ending at the very end whenever they were thought to be out of reality and or out of the dream sequence and back into reality and and he was still around so there it, it's just another retelling the same like thing with like the shining slash shinning and that kind of a thing so no it's just a ton of references told in simpsons form i remember the part where uh I guess they they kind of found out or like the kids were talking at the playground and they're like, you know, something's not something's going on. Uh, there's something weird about that groundskeeper, Willie, like he mysteriously disappeared. Uh, and then the parents kind of talked in the talking to them about like a scary event. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I thought that was kind of creepy that moment, because I don't know, it's just like, you know, the parents are supposed to be a voice of reason and then of course when they tell you something scary happened like even if it is in the simpsons you know kind of unsettling and, and that was very reminiscent of the lore for freddy uh because mm. freddy was a child predator and he was always getting out from getting in trouble with the law so the parents took it upon themselves to do this horrible thing to him because he was doing horrible things to their children and um, as he was dying and burning he made a deal with whatever spiritual entity you want that put him in the dream world but it was the parents that put him in that state and they had alluded to that in the first movie so which is why you have the parents and their twist version of it in the simpsons yeah, I particularly found the corpse version with like the beady red eyes really frightening when I first saw it as a kid. Like just him continuing to talk with that like fieriness to him. It's it's very uh, unsightly and a tad unnerving too. Um, and I also found it particularly shocking too when Martin goes into his dream and he's like doing all this Latin language stuff with the giant tall chalkboard and then Willie emerges from it and then like gets him with his like really long tongue and essentially chokes him to death um and then we we see him experiencing him dying in the dream but from the perspective of the students in the classroom and it's just it's really horrifying it makes me wonder what i would do or how i would react if i saw that happen in front of me as well so uh you know the more you think about it some of these are pretty pretty terrifying scenes uh although it's broken up with some classic simpsons comedy when they like cover him on the on the tray and try to wheel him out and then of course the the sheet gets pulled back because principal skinner has his (laughs) foot on it and of course you know he's like frozen like "Ah!" and everyone's screaming and then he principal skinner is just like just get it out of here not into the kindergarten i love it so good and that's that's part of the reason why I dressed up as Groundskeeper Willie tonight because a it's a fun mashup of characters, um, as like Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street, but also there's a lot of powerful moments in here that really keep you sucked in for the entire ride of seven, eight, nine minutes, however long this is. It's just nonstop mm-hmm. action, great color palette, and uh, you know a great resolution too. Brett, before we go into our number one, should we? cut to a commercial break let's do that uh so here's a word from our splat tech sponsors and maybe patreon as well the simpsons will be right back one plus one is always two i'm the goo with a treat for you 
local legends with classic 90s Nicktoons, you get Hey Arnold's Ghost Bride, of course, by popular demand, for our special Patreon-exclusive episode for Spooky Season, Brett shares Ghost Bride with me, since virtually the entire series of Hey Arnold is all new to me. Join us over on Patreon for the end of Spooky Season for a bone-chilling good time. Join us in the monastery at patreon.com slash splatattack. And we're back, cutting back from our commercial break. So we, we've had a lot of fun mentioning some of our Treehouse of Horror picks from various different episodes and segments, but let's do a quick recap for all our Slimesters before we go into our final picks and honorable mentions. So Alex and Monica, what did you talk about before with me? My, my top four was uh, Devil and Homer Simpson, Bart Simpson's Dracula, Time and Punishment, and life's a glitch, then you die. And my top four was Bad Dream House from the first Treehouse of Horror. Uh, if I Only Had a Brain from the second Treehouse of Horror. Clown Without Pity from the third one. And Nightmare on Evergreen Terrace from the seventh Treehouse of Horror. And my picks were The Monkey's Paw from Treehouse of Horror 2, Dowsy for Zombies from Treehouse of Horror 3, Terra at five and a half feet from Treehouse of Horror 4, and Nightmare Cafeteria from Treehouse of Horror 5. Cool. Well, now that everyone's up to speed for the spooktacular show, let's go into our final picks for our favorite episodes. So I'll start off with this one again. It is... <laughs> how, do, how do I begin this one? It's so big and grandiose, and it has tons of satire that has to do with advertising and i love it because i hate how much advertising invades and bombards our lives every single day in a super hyper connected world that we live in so i particularly find this one poignant as it is funny and scary from time to time so for my final pick it is attack of the 50 foot eyesores from trails of horror 6 and Essentially what happens here is it starts out very much like uh, the devil and Homer Simpson where it's donut focused. Homer goes to a donut shop uh, that advertises home of the colossal donut. He wants a colossal donut. The, the, the zit faced teenager says, sorry, I'm not going to give you any refunds because he hands him like a, a piddly little sad excuse for a donut. Um, and Homer vows revenge on him for that. He's like, I paid for a colossal donut, and I'm gonna get a colossal donut. And so the, that night, he uh, takes matters into his own hands by driving back to the donut shop when it's closed, getting like a, a hook on a chain, roping it around the giant lard lad donut that the, the statue sign's holding, and pulls it off and brings it home with him. And he ends up doing what any person with a giant metal donut would do. He just lays about in, in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, while he's basking in his victory, 
Uh, it turns out that through a thunderstorm or a freak accident causing from a lightning strike, the the statues starting with Lardlab begin to come alive. So there's a whole bunch of them that are in the city that start to, you know, break free from their shackles and start terrorizing the city. We've got like, um, you know, obviously the Lardlad Donuts character. We also have Paul Bunyan as one. We've got the, his blue ox. We've got like a, a genie type one, uh, a neon cowboy, the, the three pet boys with their giant bobbleheads. I love that gag. Um, and oh, oh, and even a giant Camp Brockman, who figured that would show up? And he, he lets out his like Godzilla growl like, and, uh, you know, start bashing on things Rampage World Tour style, if anyone remembers that midway video game. Oh, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's up to Bart and Lisa to figure out what to do about this situation. And Lisa gets the idea after um, Lard Lad pays Homer a visit at home to, like, get his donut back and essentially, you know, start bashing up all the homes in the area uh, to go visit the advertising agency that's printed on the bottom of the the statue's foot that left an imprint in their front lawn and they go there and they get an idea from the manager guy to hire paul Anka of all people to to write a jingle <laughs> to distract everyone from the the giant eyesore so to speak so you know the key to advertising is don't look at it and it won't affect you and it's as simple as that they they play this really catchy tune where it's like just don't look just don't look and of course because everyone's so mesmerized by the catchy <laughs> catchy tune by Lisa and Paul Anka on the top of a car in the city. Um, you know, the, the monsters continue bashing on the, on the buildings, trying to get their attention even more. And then eventually they just start keeling over one by one by one. And, um, you know, the day is saved for now, but <laughs> they don't all go down without a fight, particularly Lard Lad who starred this whole mess. And he's like with a, with a cardboard sign now with sprinkles with the giant donut. And, you know, of course we have that, repeat of the the genius line and uh you know march deters him from falling prey to it and of course because he looks away he dies and everything's back to normal and kent brockman reports on the travesty and you know it just ends with uh homer i think this is the ending i don't know if i'm confusing it with another trios of horror where he's like we'll be right back on the tv screen we'll be right back so that's that's my final pick uh, of the episode had, had the end with a bang and a few buildings smashed. So Alex, <laughs> what's your final pick for Treehouse of Horror Tales? My final pick is from Treehouse of Horror 6 and it is Homer Cubed. Mm. I really yes. like I really like whenever you take an established property and then try something different visually with it and that's exactly what they did with this episode uh the premise is a simple one it was just an excuse to do something cool uh where homer is trying to hide from the guests that are coming over decides to hide behind a uh, a bookcase and he just moves the case out of the way and says oh i never hid i never got to see what was behind here and finds that there's a portal directly behind the um bookcase and ends up in a pretty much a computer virtual reality, but 
he goes from being a 2D animated character, hand-drawn animated character, to a fully rendered 3D character uh, on top of a grid, a very neon green grid, which reminds me of the intro for the Disney movie The Black Hole back in the 80s, which I'll show some of here. But uh, now he's in this portal and he doesn't know how to get back. So Bart and the other family is trying to figure out how to get in there to help him get out and they go very poltergeist where they are attached by a rope and one person's going to go in uh, at first they had the scuba gear and they were going to go inside and chase after him and they have him explain what all he's seeing and there's just a bunch of geometrical shapes all around him and um, he even says something to the lines of man this place looks expensive I feel like I'm wasting a fortune just standing here which is true and uh, at one point one of those geometrical shapes uh, a cone pokes his rear and he tosses it to the grid which then starts this vortex uh, a black hole essentially and uh, and he is on the far end uh, trying to be on the outskirts of the of, of the black hole and bart goes in after him and bart just yells you're gonna have to jump jump to me jump to me and homer does one big jump but it's not a very big jump at all. And the black hole gets him and pulls him into uh, another form of reality. Uh, this whole episode very much reminds me of the 90s CGI TV show reboot. Yes. Uh, just because of the CGI that was used. And um, when Bart comes back and they're all speculating where he went, he comes in our reality he ends up falling from the sky and landing in a dumpster and now he's rendered again but uh now it's much more in tone with how we look i guess you could say as opposed to i mean it's almost like the version where he's in the computer world uh it was very toy story like but whenever he's in this reality it's very kind of scooby-doo where it's still cartoonish but it's blended with reality and it they didn't do anything with it uh he just walks down the sidewalk sees a shop for exotic cakes and is like "Ooh, exotic cakes and walks into the store and that's the end of the episode it's there's there's not a whole lot to it story-wise it was just let's play with this and see what it looks like and see what gags we could go with it. And I really like when they do things like that. Uh, so that's why this one is one of my top favorites. Excellent pick. And I'm glad you saved it for the last because there's a ton of cool things we can mention about it. Uh, not only do I love it for being like so cutting edge at the time when this came out, because Toy Story was just breaking into theaters at the time. And there really hasn't been anything on TV at the time, aside from like Reboot, who are just getting off the ground. So, you know, it's it's really impressive to see what they were able to do um, with the budget that they had, um, especially with converting that scene where Homer's uh, 2D and he immediately transforms into the 3D yeah. version of himself. That was the most expensive shot of the entire episode uh, as a result, yeah. because that took a lot of ray tracing and modeling to sync up together. and. Um, uh, among the many facts that I came across when researching for this episode, because originally it was on my uh, list, but I'm going to mention it later, is uh, they, they actually did a crane. They, they got a really big crane shot for the end where they panned from Homer walking on the sidewalk to, I think, a billboard 
uh, a little bit past the Rotted Cake store. And I remember seeing this. I can't unsee it now after I've seen it. But um, so I, I believe, what's his name? Not Harry Shearer, but it was it was one of the guys who who's in charge of doing the Treehouse of Horror. Uh, David Merkin, that's it. David Merkin, mm. he was in charge of a lot of the Treehouse of Horrors episodes. And by this time, Fox wasn't giving them a lot of support or a lot of budget to work with. So... You know, he decided to just pull out all the stops and go against their wills. And he ended up getting a big crane of a camera on it to get this money shot for the for the episode. And he did it without like any proper restrictions. So if you look carefully to the the right of the screen, you notice like there's a line of cars that are starting to build up in traffic. And that's because the crane is in the road trying to get the shot timed out while a bunch of extras were hired to walk around on the sidewalk, uh, essentially looking at like this little tiny ball, a red ball on a string as a tracker so that they can animate Homer uh, moving in that position and give the illusion that the characters are looking at him while he's moving in this reality space. So there's a lot of really intricate things going on here that I applaud them for. And um, it really makes you appreciate the level of detail that went into this episode as well. Uh, among some of the other things that I picked up on were that the erotic cake store was originally a photography store, but they just painted over the sign and put the decorations in purely just for the episode. And also the the portal that w the dimension that was found behind the bookcase, that's in direct reference to another Twilight Zone episode called Little Girl Lost, where she gets trapped in the fourth dimension and a bunch of scientists and parents have to like take her out after she gets trapped in there one night. Were They were originally him or for homer to go, go through different dimensions like i think one dimension he was supposed to be a paper cutout uh but i guess because of time they just stuck with the 3d real aspect i guess cool yeah. well uh monica what is your final pick for tonight uh so my final pick comes from season six episode six that's a treehouse of horror five uh, I'm going to say the whole entire episode, all three segments, the shinning, time and punishment, nightmare cafeteria. I mean, the whole episode is just, it's just, that's gold, Jerry. Gold. I love it. But since we've already talked about time and punishment in nightmare cafeteria, you guys have done an awesome job covering that. Let's talk about the shinning. Just kind of give a brief overview. Uh, it is based off the movies of The Shining, if you couldn't tell by the by the name. So it's the first segment. Uh, this is actually the first movie house of horror where you don't have, um, I guess, the the wraparound segments. Whereas the previous ones, you know, you either had Halloween party or after trick or treating, and they all eat too much candy and they have nightmares, or sitting in a treehouse telling ghost stories. This was the first one where you don't see a wraparound segment. So it kind of just goes straight into it. Okay, so the Simpsons are hired as caretakers at Mr. Burns' mansion in the middle of nowhere in the mountains. And Mr. Burns ends up cutting off the cable and the beer supply. Uh, eventually, Homer goes crazy and he meets bartender bartender Mo, who is a ghost in the in the. I guess the very dry bar that they have in this mansion. And Mo says, you know, if you kill your family, I'll give you a beer. So Homer goes crazy and tries to kill his family. And uh, meanwhile, 
you know, we have groundskeeper Willie, you know, taking care of the mansion. And, you know, he comes across Bart, who, you know, ruins the maze. And, you know, Bart Bart ends up reading groundskeeper Willie's mind. And, you know, Willie's like, You've got the shinin. You mean shining. You want to get sued? <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, when Homer... When Homer's trying to kill the family and, you know, they all run out of the mansion, uh, you know, Bart sends a signal to Willie to go help them. And so Willie goes running out in the snow and he he was carrying this portable TV, which he drops in the snow. And then, of course, he goes to the mansion to go rescue the family. Homer axes him in the back and he dies on the floor. And then eventually, you know, the family runs out of the mansion Homer's chasing him with an axe, and then all of a sudden, you know, one of them picks up the TV and goes, look, TV! And then Homer, you know, grabs the TV and he's like... Urge to kill. Fading. 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 Rising! Fading. Fading. Good. And then, you know, of course, they all embrace in the snow, and they get frozen, and then... If you listen carefully, the song that plays on the little TV is actually at the end credits. I think it's one chorus line of people. You listen. Oh, oh it's it's the same song from um, when the fog turned them inside out. Oh, change channel. Get frozen. Ah! Urge to kill, rising. I love this whole episode. You know, with all three segments, even though there isn't a wraparound per se, I think that the fact that you know Willie gets killed in all three of them somehow, or he gets axed he gets every time, yeah, <laughs> every time. I feel like that's kind of a wraparound segment, or like a recurring joke. Um, but you know, fun facts about this episode: apparently, I guess members of Congress actually were not happy about the violence portrayed in the show. Uh, so the showrunner at the time, David Merkin, uh, I guess he was irritated at the criticism that he was getting from these Treehouse of Horror episodes. So he actually made every effort in this episode to make it very gory, very violent, like as much as he could get away with. Uh, so that's why you see in this, yep, that's why you see in this episode, it's, you know, it's very, very violent. <laughs> but I mean, I, it's one of my favorites. Hands down, it's definitely got to be one of my favorites. Those are all awesome tales that we told in this treehouse tonight. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> oh, that was a lot of fun. But uh, before we wrap things up and head on home, we're going to do a couple of segments here. First off, with our honorable mentions, we'll just blaze through those real quick. Um, I'll start. I have a couple of them. I'm going to mention Easy Bake Coven from Treehouse of Horror 8. And the reason why I still wanted to mention that one is because I really like the, the sudden turn of events where Marge actually becomes a witch after they push her off a cliff. When I first saw this one, it scared me. I don't know why, because cartoons typically don't scare me, but just, the, just the, the, the tone of it and her maniacal laughing, it, it really got to me uh, when I first watched it about a year ago. 
And I also like the allusions to like this being the foundation for the first trick or treat tradition that we now know for Halloween. So that was a nice uh, nod to that. And I like the caramel cod, caramel apple bit there too. Uh, and Seamus <laughs> telling the story at the end. So there's, there's, there's a few good moments. And uh, I also want to mention Bart Zone from Trials of Horror too, because I, I'm a sucker for Twilight Zone based Trials of Horror episodes. And this one's based off of It's a Good Life, which everyone all knows pretty well where, uh, you know, Bart, Bart's um, turning people and creatures into different things if they don't think um, bad thoughts. I, I just like this one for, for the Twilight Zone references mainly in the, in the visual gads, like how Snowball um, turned into that weird polka dot creature with the flower ears and, and the umbrella tail and breathing fire. That was pretty fun. And how when Homer turned into a jack-o'-lantern, that wasn't the end of the story like it was in the original Twilight Zone episode, but rather they went to therapy about it and then they started family bonding time together and it ended with like yeah. Homer, Homer tucking Bart in and kissing him goodnight. And that was like Bart's craziest nightmare. So that, that was a very playful one and I felt it was worth mentioning here. My honorable mention, and and I'll just, I'm not going to give too much detail on it, but it was from Treehouse of Horror 9, and it is Hell to Pay, which uh, Homer Homer gets a possessed toupee. Uh, the, the person who had the hair beforehand would end up possessing him. But the reason I chose this episode as my honorable mention is, it's no surprise, I am a huge James Bond fan. And one of the actors who's played James Bond is Roger Moore. And when Homer first puts on that wig, yeah, Marge looks at him and says, If your fly weren't open, you look just like Roger Moore. Which I thought was fantastic. <laughs> um, so my honorable mention is from Treehouse of Horror 7. And it's The Thing and I. Uh, so pretty much the basic premise is that Bart and Lisa hear noises up in the attic and then they discover that Bart has an evil Siamese twin that's been locked up there this whole time named Hugo. Uh, Hugo tries to capture Bart and sew them back together but Dr. Hibbert kind of appears out of nowhere and manages to knock him out and save the day and then when he looks at Hugo closely he realizes the scar is on the wrong side of the body and that Bart was the evil twin all along. Um... I, I I love this one because, you know, I feel like with all my picks that I picked tonight, uh, you know, usually, usually I picked ones or I usually tend to pick ones that like get a reaction out of me or creep me out um, or quote the most. <laughs> um, this one definitely creeped me out because it kind of plays on that fear. You know, we all grew up with a in a house or an apartment that had that room or section or a closet where like we think something is living in it. And of course, you know, this whole segment kind of plays off of that fear that, you know, something's in the attic, something's watching me in the middle of the night. Um, so I definitely like this one and especially the twist at the end. Yeah, that's a nearly good one from the, the later section of the Treehouse of Horror series in the 90s. I particularly like this one for the Dr. Hibbit mirror picture frame thing where he's like, Those ears caged up in here, why, you've probably never even seen your own face in the mirror, have you? Here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
gets me every time. And um, I found it really fascinating and also creepy that the story of this was loosely based off of this horror film called Basket Case, which apparently has a trilogy and it's from the 80s, like 83, and is like a really deformed baby who's kept in a basket. And I'm like, ugh, ugh. <laughs> so um, kudos to them for like weaving in all these different allusions to classic horror for this one. All right. Well, uh, we're going to do another segment real quick. And it's actually one that we've kind of done before in like uh, favorite Nick's Jr. episodes way back in episode four. But we didn't have a proper name or, or a title card for it. So this time we do. We, we came prepared. And we're going to call it Shout Your Lungs Out. Shout out. Shout out your lungs out. <laughs> All right, so for Shout Out Your Lungs Out, what we're going to do is uh, we, we pulled Instagram of what their favorite Ultimate 90s Halloween episodes were just before the recording of this episode. So here's from some of our Slimesters who like to listen to Splat Attack. What they they consider to be their favorite Halloween specials from 90s nostalgia. Uh, most of them are from Nickelodeon. A few are outside of that realm. So starting off, we have TMC151117 XX. He likes Korn's groovy pirate ghost mystery from South Park, which uh, I remember had some Scooby-Doo references in it. Pretty interesting pick. Uh, Kemp Travis 84 uh, he goes with the Double Dare Halloween episode, which is also a really good one, and also one of the few game shows that actually does holiday specials on Nickelodeon. So kudos for that pick. I like it. Uh, Nostalgic Millennial Podcast, Matt and Paul, uh, they go with Hocus Pocus. Classic Disney film, gotta watch it every Halloween. I agree with you. Hank King Tattoo says, Arnold's Halloween from Hey Arnold. Another great pick. Uh, that one actually spoofs War of the Worlds, and I like the alien twist that they got going on there. Slimy's Dream, our buddy Greg, who is on our episode B8 on Patreon, he goes with The Haunted Mask from Goosebumps. Another strong pick. One many, many 90s kids remember. Uh, Sunshine, Sunshine Daydream Photography goes with Mark Summers' Mystery Magical Tour, which I think it premiered in the late 80s, but it had reruns in the 90s, so it's gained kind of a cult status since then. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's a more niche pick, but good one nonetheless. I've seen it. Uh, Allie Mander, our friend Allie, goes with Treehouse of Horror 5 from The Simpsons. Go figure. Yep, right in line nice. with Monica and some of our picks, too. Good one, Hallie. Uh, ben Bink, 888, Marley Mook, and Kemp Travis, 84, all go with Candy Bar Creep Show from Rugrats, which is my number four pick from episode 32 right before this one. Uh, great classic 90s Nicktoon. We have uh, Been There, Done That, 1993, who goes with Trick or Treat from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And Alex is, is groaning. I know, I know. You don't like the pumpkin wrapper, but I find him particularly fun. And... If you, if you even just remove that, I think most of the episode's kind of decent. I mean, Kimberly Kimberly wins a car in a game show, and then, all right, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll pick another Power Rangers episode to do Halloween in a future season. No, I agree with you. It's Overall, it's a solid episode. Just, oh, I hate the rapping. Yeah. Maybe they should just do a voice dub for him, because uh, I, I like his design at the very least. Yes. 
Uh, let's see here. Uh, TMC 1517XX, Neon Cubicle 93, Endless Alexandra, and AC Lind 84, my buddy Adam, all go with Halloweeny from Pete and Pete, which that got the most votes for our picks. So congratulations to Pete and Pete's Halloweeny. That is, according to our shout out your lungs out list, the most popular ultimate 90s Halloween special. Very good one. We'll definitely have to do like an episode review versus episode battles. Something to that degree uh, for Halloween because I feel like it'd be a sin if we didn't cover it on our podcast. It's just that good. So I, I think we're ready to pack our candy bags and head out of uh, Bart and Lisa's treehouse for the night and get, get some good night's sleep. So Slimesters, uh, here's our closing question. Which Treehouse of Horror segments and intros terrify you the most? Let us know via email at splattack2021 at gmail.com or via a uh, direct message on Instagram at Splatattack Podcast. Heck, you can even comment in the YouTube comments of this episode on Splatattack Podcast and be sure to subscribe to our channel as well. And let us know what you think because we love sharing our community answers. We could also share them in a future Mona's Mailbag segment as well. So please let us know what you think. Uh, also be sure to re rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that we can continue to grow our community. Thank you, Monica, for joining us tonight for this very long but very special episode. And we wholeheartedly appreciate that you suggested this topic for us to cover. Aw, well, thank you for having me. I really had a lot of fun discussing my favorite, one of my favorite shows, uh, and I had a good time. I think Alex did too, considering yes, thank that- you for joining. Uh, these were these were mostly new episodes for him to cover, right? Oh yes, yes. Yeah, me too. Very, it's always very much enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. It's always good to cover some Simpsons. Uh, before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug, Monica? Uh, I mean, besides this jack-o'-lantern that I plugged in. Uh, no, seriously. Uh, if anyone out there has seen the first two Wacky Dingo animated shorts, uh, Brett and I have created, uh, you know, these animated shorts that are kind of reminiscent of the previous Nickelodeon animated shorts that you would see based off of our dog, Nikau, and I'm dressed as Wacky Dingo in the second um, animated short. So definitely check that out on the Splatted Tag Podcast YouTube page. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know we're juggling a lot for this podcast just to try different things and see what sticks with our audience, but we figured we'd try to go this route and see if it appeals to anyone. So, you know, so far we got two under our belt and we have at least a dozen more ideas in, in the works. So uh, let us know what you think of them and we'll continue to make more and even take some suggestions for ideas as well. Tune in next time when we clean up our Halloween decorations and prepare for some company to come over when Dee Dee and Alfie visit our house for a ranking of Every My Brother Me episode. To handle this task, we're bringing in a fellow podcast friend who loves to help us separate the cream from the crop. Prime of Prime Nostalgia Podcast. You don't want to miss this one. Are you excited to be covering My Brother and Me, Alex, for the first time on this podcast? Very much. It was one of my favorites as a kid, so it... it it's a highly underrated show, but it, it's got a huge fan base and it needs more love. Agreed. Yeah, Monica and I are big fans too. We love revisiting it from time to time and even just singing the theme song for good old time's sake. <laughs> Alex, without further ado, will you drain the spooky slime tank for us, please? I've got a little leftover slime from the Rugrats episode that I need to finish gobbling up before bed. Aye, aye, co-captain. Don't eat too much or you'll have nightmares.
You gonna tell me what to do? This stuff's delicious. <laughs> These eyes taste terrible. They've been sitting in here for like three weeks. <laughs> well, let, let, <laughs> let's just uh, drain the slime tank before I, I, I hurl, I spew. Watch you later, slimesters. <laughs> Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Bye-bye. You will die. You will die slowly. Your stomach will swell. Your intestines will writhe and boil. Your eyes will burst and some horrible stuff. Possibly your brain will start coming out through your nose.